The last few years uh, I was pastoring in Rome, every morning, just about every morning, on my way to work, which was not a long way, but there was a young man, uh, always cleanly and neatly, simply dressed, standing beside the side of the road with a sign. It said, Jesus is coming. He didn't make a big deal out of it. He didn't wave it. He didn't flash it, you know, hand at people. He just stood there almost as if he were at attention, making sure that everybody saw the sign. Now, chances are you have witnessed similar signs somewhere. A lot of times on the way to the beach, it looks to me like somebody has gotten out of their car and tacked it up just over the little fence, a white little sign stenciled letters, Jesus is coming. Occasionally, it will be a big billboard in the Atlanta area. Some pastor is preaching on the end times and trying to get a crowd, and sometimes that will. But Jesus is coming. This is always something that uh, we, we hear about. When I was a child, it uh, wasn't uh, that long after World War II, and people always talked about Hitler or Stalin being the Antichrist, and I tried to count, I think in my lifetime, I've heard five U.S. presidents described as the Antichrist. Uh, Typically, somebody can run their names through a computer, do a calculation on where the letters fall in the alphabet, and sure enough, 666 is the outcome of whatever this mathematical formulation would be. I think really they work backwards just to see how it might work. If there are catastrophes, if there are Tsunamis, earthquakes, uh, wildfires raging. People will say, well, you know, this, you know what the Bible says? This is the end times. Pastor, what do you think? And my answer, I try to follow Jesus and say, you know, we don't know the hour and the time. But people seem very certain that Jesus is coming. Now, this has been debated since the time of Christ. And the people who practiced Judaism around Jesus had a couple of different views of this. Sometimes they saw it as a great apocalyptic coming together and ending, much as we do. There were others who just simply saw that a descendant of David was going to rise to the throne and that Somehow he would conquer the earth and all the kings and queens and emperors of the world would come and bow down and the kingdom of God would reign. Now this is the context for uh, what Tommy read for us earlier. People are asking Jesus, what are the signs? Is this it? Are you it? This question surrounded Jesus all the time. John the Baptist sent word, are you the one who is to come? Or should we look for another? 
James and John, he's on the way to Jerusalem and they say, uh, and when you uh, set up your kingdom, can we sit at the right hand and the left hand? They, they think he's going to set up his administration and they want to be VP and Secretary of State. They think this is happening right now. This was always associated with Jesus. This is going to happen. And so in the text, the Pharisees say, what are the signs? And behind their question is really what they all want to know. Are you getting ready to do this right now? Is this the king kingdom coming? Is this what we've been waiting for? And uh, translations say this different ways. You know, you would think that it would be a really simple thing, but in some languages, if you ever studied foreign language, there are some words that won't come straight across. They can have different meanings. And so you'll find some translations that you may have in your hands this morning that will say the, the kingdom of God is within you. But there is never an instance where Jesus says that the kingdom of God enters us. It is always that we, what we do to enter the kingdom. And so the simple little word in the translation that we read earlier captures it, has the kingdom of God is among you. In the words of Jesus, what he is telling the people is, what you're looking for out there is here now. What it is you're waiting for, and yes, there will come a day, because later he teaches about this, and, and I believe this, I assume you do, there will be some great getting up morning when everything is drawn together in fullness according to the will of God. And everything that will then take place will be as the will of God alone moves forward. But until that time, the kingdom the kingdom's already among us. And I will tell you, if you look closely enough, you can see this in people around you, people you know, people who are already making the name of God hallowed where they are, people who are already uh, extending the goodness to the poor so that they might not be in the same place tomorrow. And I know as a congregation this is going on because I had the opportunity to see some of that this week. The kingdom, the kingdom is among you. It's already here. It's already taking place. N.T. Wright, I think N.T. Wright is the premier Bible scholar of the early 21st century. And N.T. Wright says, how does the final kingdom come except by forgiveness? How does it come except that God forgives all of our sins, people accept the forgiveness, and it's all brought together in God's will? 
He said, it is only through the forgiveness of God that this happens. And isn't this possible now? I mean, isn't this what we preach and believe every Sunday? That you can have the forgiveness of God through Jesus Christ. And we can forgive one another. We can choose to live in, in, in anger and frustration and turmoil. Or we can choose to be a part of the kingdom of God in which we learn to forgive one another. Essentially, we can uh, extend Hades into this life or we can make heaven start already. Or I should say we participate in heaven already. We have a choice where we want to... Uh, what journey of eternal life we want to be on. We have the choice now what we want to do. So there is a specific application of all this that I want to make today. For the past, I've lost track, I haven't counted the months, 18 months, in many ways life has been on hold. In many ways we have been waiting for something else to happen. I, I know in our family I went almost a year, my wife and I went almost a year without seeing one of our daughters and her children because of where she lives, and we couldn't get back and forth. I imagine there are very few families in this congregation that did not have to put something on hold, a graduation, a wedding. Uh, I had one wedding that I was supposed to perform that was postponed three times. They kept thinking, we'll, we'll be past it, we'll be past it, we'll be past it. And we weren't. And then you add, in this congregation... Steve's retirement, and there is a sense in which, who is this guy? When will he be done? Because we'd like to move on and get a real preacher. <laughs> so I've mentioned that before. I am very cognizant of how people feel about that. <laughs> but there is a sense in which life is on hold in the church. And there is, you know, we're waiting for what's next. That's, uh, and if you've seen the yellow in, next and now. Well, what Jesus tells the Pharisees when he's asked, when is the kingdom coming? He basically says, what's next is right now. And what I want to say is, that's what's, what's next in our lives as participants in a relationship with Jesus Christ, is right now. Our relationship with Jesus, whether it grows or diminishes, our children, whether they are being nurtured in their young discipleship, all of this is happening. It's just either happening with our intention to move forward and to grow, or it is suffering from a lack of attention. 
I, I have, um, you know, I, was, I was talking to a college administrator in, an, in another city about, I said, where did you find precedent for how you deal with a pandemic? And he said, well, well, there is none. He said, none of us know what we're doing. We're just all trying to make the best assessments that we can. And I imagine you'll find anybody in any school system or any university saying the same thing. And I found that to be true with churches, that um, everybody was looking for what the best practice is, and everybody was doing something different. But the one thing I noticed was the people who were being effective recognized that whatever is next is now. There's not waiting for this to be over. It's just dealing with where we are today. And so today we have had this emphasis to say what's next is now in the life of this church. Whatever it is that my relationship with Jesus Christ will be is happening today. Whatever my children's relationship with Jesus Christ will be, it is happening today. However we will serve the, king, the greater kingdom of God, it's already happening today. And so our call is to live the day that we have. To be disciples today and not wait to be disciples tomorrow. The kingdom of God is already among us. The work of Christ is ongoing. And some of the most inspiring stories of the past 18 months have been Christians and some non-Christians who have been doing what would have to be classified as the work of God even in the midst of where we've been. So my challenge to you today is this. In your personal relationship with Christ, has it, has it grown or has it diminished during the past 18 months? When will it start to get better? When will it start to grow? When will it become what you want it to be? It won't happen if we keep waiting. The life of this church, it's time to be the people of God where we are. This is, this is the hour we have been given in which to represent the kingdom in this place. The only question is whether or not we will respond and whether or not we will be faithful. Jesus is coming, no doubt. Jesus is already here. Jesus is already working. Jesus is already among us. Because what Jesus is doing next, Jesus is doing right now. Shall we pray together? Oh, great and good God, we ask that you would place upon each of us a sense of uh, call, a call upon our hearts and lead us to a place where we might be faithful with whatever opportunity, with whatever health, with whatever resources we have. 
not to wait, but in this moment. We, your children, listen for your voice and promise to obey. In the name of Christ, we ask. Amen.